when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm John Mavavec. We're doing a quick Game 2 preview. Um, we've both written about how the Raptors need to adjust, so I'll just start with you. What do the Raptors need to do differently in Game 2 to avoid the same fate that they had in Game 1? I think just making sure that their best talents are out on the court as much as possible. Who is that? Kawhi Leonard. Who? <laughs> Tell Nick Why? Nurse, please. <laughs> Let's go down and shoot around and ask Nick Nurse. Hey, Nick, um, how many minutes are you going to play Kawhi today? And yeah. Is it going to be less than 40? Because otherwise... Yeah. See, I, I guess to a greater all, like, all-encompassing like all point, it's just there needs to be a greater sense of urgency. I, I, I felt a theme for the Raptors throughout that game was almost like this feeling of invincibility that they couldn't lose it and then until they actually did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think right from the jump, the Raptors have got to come out um, the hungrier team, the more intense team. Uh, and let's face it, they're desperate. Um, you cannot go down 0-2 going to Orlando. Uh, and <clears throat> that's that's the way the Raptors have to approach the game. Now, you know, we've talked about Kawhi playing uh, 33 minutes, uh, but, you know, Danny Green played 34. I, I think that's another thing that has to be looked at because when you're looking at the depth that you've lost with OG at the wing, you, you need to uh, get him uh more minutes as well because he's he's the best shooter on your team and especially you know if if Kyle is going to struggle with his shot again uh you need Danny's uh, Danny Green shooting even more yeah no for sure um look the quiet minutes thing is you know it's it's like the most uh not obvious but it's like the one that's like most easily uh, implementable um yep you know I, I went back and looked at the tape but first off there's just some things in terms of execution the Raptors got to do better like um, you know, they made some errors in terms of just like, you know, rushing out the wrong shooters, like Danny Green closed out at Jonathan Isaac and the Isaac drives past, things like that. You gotta be, you know, just tighter with your game plan. You gotta be way tighter on those post entry passes. That was very frustrating to see the magic run that stuff back in transition. And just overall, I just feel like you know, the, like you said, man, the Raptors gotta play with more urgency in the sense that like, you know, Honestly, given another more strict team, like let's say Dwayne Casey was coaching this team, right? Just for the sake of argument, let's because we all know Dwayne, we see him here for a long time. If Dwayne Casey was coaching this team, there wouldn't be as many off-ball actions. There wouldn't be as much like, hey, let's you know run this thing for Norm and do this and this. No, it's like no, we're gonna have Kawhi Mark play pick and roll together and probably play it like 25, 30 times. <laughs> and I feel like honestly, if that's what the Raptors do in this series, especially considering um, how much they would struggle to guard a middle pick and roll with those two. Then they should be fine. They, they really should be fine. I think they'd be better off doing it, really. Or like Mike D'Antoni, for example, the way he lets Harden cook. Yeah. I think that's how the Raptors need to do with Kawhi and, and Mark because I think the Magics just don't really have um, a good solution there. Like, unless they want to switch Vucevic onto Kawhi, which is, I don't think is a good idea. No. 
um, you know, either that or they're basically Gordon and Vucevic are probably both occupied with Gasol and that, or with Kawhi at that point. You know, Gasol is open, so there's just a couple of really obvious things that I feel like you know Nick should just get the team to clean up because again, the Raptors have more talent and they they kind of played like that in Game One and uh, I don't know they took a regular season approach. Yeah, and I think uh, to your point, the you're just giving them advantages that they're not accustomed to having. Like, you look at their philosophies, they are not going to cheat and look for steals. They play good, sound, fundamental defense. They're going to pack the paint. Um, and even uh, when they're on offense, they're not going to look to turn over the ball, mm-hmm. right? Those those are mm-hmm. sort of basic playoff fundamentals that you try to follow. And then now, when they're not even looking for steals, but you make such poor entry feeds, when you make these lackadaisical turnovers, you're giving them extra points. Like the Raptors were the most efficient team in transition over the regular season. Uh, they finished the game with 15 fast break points, but the Magic finished with 14. Yeah, the, and that should happen. Finished with nine steals. Yep. They finished fifth worst in the league in that department. So now you've completely negated that area of the game where you usually excel. So you're just making your 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 life that much more difficult. It's not like, you know, the magic or sort of imposing their will on you. Um, these are things that you just have to clean up. And, you know, as the two seed, as a team with, again, all this experience in your starting lineup, um, you know, in the story I wrote today, they've got over 300 games of playoff experience in their in their starting lineup. The magic have 29. That Wow. <laughs> wow. um uh you know on some level that has to show yeah exactly and i think in game one um you know that 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 focus and intensity wasn't there um you know one thing that's also been talked to death a little bit is um you know kyle larry and obviously just him underperforming so hopefully it doesn't score zero points in game two um but I, i did find it a little bit interesting like so it's just you know not even just thinking about it critically or anything like that just thinking about it as um someone that supports the team, like when Kyle says, oh, it's, you know, I score the right way, you know, people are focusing too much on the points, you know, I, you know, I go out there and I do my job, things like this. It's like, to me, it's not the greatest thing to hear. You know what I mean? Like, I would almost rather him take a different approach. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, and we talked about this earlier, like, just own it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the thing we keep talking about is how the additions of, you know, Kawhi, who's supposed to be so efficient in the playoffs, and he started out great. You look at what Siakam's able to do scoring-wise. You look at what Gasol yep. brings to the table. Uh, all all of that is supposed to alleviate the need for Lowry's scoring. That doesn't, doesn't make it okay that it's non-existent. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like you don't have to score 20 anymore. You <clears> got to <throat> score at least 10. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, yeah. you know, again... Uh, I, I, I think the degree to which his scoring is required now is so low that it has to be a base expectation. The same way, the, I mean, honestly, I would prefer if he just said, hey, you know what? Those things that I do, mm-hmm. the assists, the rebounds, the defense, the taking charges, bringing energy, bringing leadership, that is a base expectation. Yeah. Scoring 10, 12, 15 a game, that should also be a base expectation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we were, we were in the studio yesterday and I remember telling you, it was like, it's like if you went to a subway and you ordered like a sub combo and then they only gave you like, like a drink and a cookie 
and like some soup and that's it and you're like where's the sub you're like what what are you talking about i gave you a cookie i gave you a drink i gave you a... it's like no 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 that's not what i came here for like for real like that's part of the deal for kyle is he has to score some right and um you know he missed some open shots that that's, yeah. that's not what happened well but, like, actually, the lack of aggression was is kind of concerning to me because like he kind of just faded towards the rest of the game like if you look at the passing numbers it's great that he's an assist man right it's great that he he led the team with eight assists he got 85 touches in game one he passes 72 times that's not enough yeah that, that's that's just not enough you got to like look to create more with that you can't just always be passing and and um and you know I, one other thing that's actually i made this thing a little bit um just on a personal level a little bit annoying for me is just like it's almost like you can't talk about kyle struggling and can't be dissatisfied with it it's sort of just like well what a his plus minus b like you know kyle's done so much for the franchise it's like yeah all that can all, all that can be true but like at that the never time, seemed to apply when demar struggled uh, yeah well, he didn't have the plus. He didn't have the plus eleven. He didn't bring yeah, yeah, the yeah. plus eleven to the game. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it has been like a very sharp in terms of just you know we're we're members of the media too. But like you know, what I mean, like there has been a strong pushback from the media of like, oh, Kyle Lowry doesn't actually disappear in the playoffs. And I'm like, it's a bit of a galaxy brain take, man. I watch the games too. All right, I'm, I'm there. Like <laughs> I see him. I see him disappear. That was one of the games. You could just say it. Yeah. 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 I know that's the thing. Just own it. Just move on. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then try to try to bring it in game two. You you know what you bring the, to the table again. Those those other things that he does. Those are the things that you expect to see game in game out. And honestly, you know those things w- maybe stood out a bit more when when you were playing with more one dimensional players. But now, guess what? That that's also become a base expectation of guys like Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Gasol. Um, and even Serge Ibaka to an extent. You expect those base things of defense and you know and rebounding and all those other factors, but the scoring aspect of it, you know, everyone's got to do their part. Yep, for sure. Um, and look, there is some, there is a history of Kyle struggling in Game One. Um, yeah. The official numbers now for his Game One averages. Um, yeah, so what nine points a game on twenty six percent shooting and fifteen percent from three. Game two, big difference. 18 points a game, 7 assists, 46% shooting, 38% from the field. So, game two, Kyle Lowry plays like what he normally plays like. Right. Game one, he plays like playoff Kyle. Yeah. Right? So, um, hopefully... Do, this do you tra- buy into any continues. of this uh, rhythm stuff? Of, you know, that break between the regular season and the playoffs where uh, that time off takes him away from his rhythm? I feel like... Uh, so, are you, sorry, are you asking me this? Because Nick Nurse said, uh, I shouldn't have given, like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. That, that's it. he was asked the question right so it was like he was hey, asking Nick, like like don't you think you should have played uh kyle against minnesota and it's like well you know now that i know he scored zero it's like yeah maybe i should have you know what i mean yeah. but if he I, if he scores 10 to 12 and you win the game he's probably no one's no one's saying that it, it, it did come across a little bit to me that nurse was trying to take the heat off his point guard but it right. was one of those things where it's just like everyone's trying to take the heat off kyle and i get that in terms of supporting sense but also like it's kind of annoying you know what I mean? Like, no, Nick, I don't think you did anything wrong by resting your player in game 82 for a road game that meant nothing. Like, right. I, I don't think that was a huge mistake that he should be you know, now atoning for. And it's like, oh, it's Nick Nurse's fault that Kyle scored zero. No, it's, it's Kyle's fault that he scored zero. Like, <laughs> and it just is what it is, you know? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, if, first off, Kyle has this, like, ankle thing, right? Apparently, that, you know, he, after he got rolled over by Mitchell Robinson, you know, he, when he came back, like, 
you know, three, four days later, he was like, oh, my ankle's not going to be 100% the rest of the way. Yeah. And, you know, we were both at practice right before the playoffs, uh, before game one. And he was saying how, you know, I, you know, you just got to forget about that stuff. You just got to move on. It doesn't affect me or whatever. Right. Which is a classic call answer. You're just going to brush it off. But, like, you know, if if he has a bum ankle or whatever, like, I have no issues with with benching him for game 82. No one even right. blinked right. when he benched, when he, when he just sat there for game 82. So Everyone saw the 65 games and said, yep. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> you got to put the money in the bank, no matter how much money that is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, hopefully Kyle comes back and bounces back. I think there are some adjustments that, you know, we looked at. Um, I think for for both of us, I think the most obvious area where Kyle can sort of not force his offense, but get easier shots, is in that mid-range area. Kyle yeah. used to be a really good mid-range shooter, and then he stopped shooting it, right? Obviously, yeah. so the game sort of um, you know, migrated to only layups and threes, and so he did that. But now he can't really go for a layup because he's a little bit, you know, he's just he just can't score around the rim. And uh, the three is a little bit off. So, you know, you kind of have to go back to the mid-range. And I think, especially with the way the Magic are playing him, that shot's open. And I think... If he hits a couple of those early on, then maybe that loosens things up for the rest of the game and he can get A, into an easier flow, and B, um, you know, create more opportunities for his teammates. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a big key. Um, that does play into the Magic's hands a little bit, but again, yeah. make making enough of those, then you force the Magic to change something up as well, right? And I mean, scoring zero plays in their hands. <laughs> zero is, yeah. is in their hand. Yeah. That's, that's their hand right there. Yeah. Uh, and and again, you know, look at, looking at the Kyle Lowry of old, every time he got that screen, if there was daylight mm-hmm. coming off that screen, it was just pull up, boom. That, yeah. that was it, right? And um, I think now there's a bit of that hesitation. You know, even early on, uh, there was a play where he got the ball and he was so adamant about finding Gasol and he sort of forced uh, the pass on the roll and Aaron Gordon stole it. Right. Uh, just little things like that where... You know, usually you expect him to just make that read. And so I think, you know, if he can, again, we've, we've talked about this all season. When, when, when Kawhi Leonard's been out, we've seen sort of the Kyle Lowry that everybody loves and is accustomed to seeing. And mm-hmm. we haven't really seen that on a consistent basis when Kawhi, Kawhi has been in the lineup. Um, and so I don't know if it's a real, realistic expectation to see that happen now. Um, but on some level, he he's got to know that he you know there's certain reads where it's okay for him to be aggressive. Where right. you know there, there's not going to be an issue uh, among the other four guys if he just says, "Hey, they, I'm calling my number now." Yeah, and it's completely normal. Yeah, and again, like um, a lot of being a playmaker and stuff like that is establishing yourself as a threat and then leveraging that exactly into easier opportunities. Um, another guy who you know, has kind of skirted criticism, and I don't think he deserved any, but I think there's definitely areas of improvement, is uh, Kawhi, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that uh, Kobe did a really good job of yep. on his latest episode of Dita, which if you haven't seen, I mean, I, I don't blame you. It's a little bit hard to access this content, but <laughs> I think it's on ESPN+, Plus. although yeah. you, you told me today ESPN Insider can get it too? So basically, they've merged ESPN Insider and ESPN+. Plus. So basically, uh-huh. if you have an Insider subscription, you have access to the... right. I, I, I don't think the term insider exists anymore. It's all just ESPN+. Oh, okay. Plus. That makes sense. Um, well, in any case, you know, there are videos out there, and um, it's like a 16-minute video where Kobe breaks down film. And right. he looks at it not in terms of the way coaches might look at it. He looks at it in terms of how a player and how specifically a scorer would look at it, right? Yeah. And so, he you know, he talked about how a couple of adjustments that Kawhi can make in terms of just – and it's not major stuff. It's like – you know, setting up post, uh, you know, a little bit deeper towards the baseline. So because the the magic are stunting and helping, yeah. 
And so if you're deeper in the baseline, then there's a longer distance to cover off. And so it's an easier pass either out to the shooter for him to have more space to shoot. Or they might just not help and Kawhi has one-on-one. Um, and there's a lot of couple subtle adjustments. I mean, from from the detail piece, which, you know, you you watched the video and you broke it down. You sort of explained it. Um, you know, what areas can Kawhi sort of um, tweak in his game to, to get better results in game two? Yeah, I think I think when you look at the importance of the mid range uh, against the Magic to sort of break their defense, uh, I th- I think he's pivot- pivotal to that because he's so effective in the mid range. So again, when he gets opportunities to attack the big, uh, he's got to make sure he creates as much separation as possible. Um, so I thought the the point about attacking Vucevic or you know even if he's uh, in the game against Kem Birch. Uh, I think those opportunities where they're trying to shade him one way, mm-hmm. and Kobe talked about that top foot being out. Right, right. You, Especially with Vucevic. Ex- exactly, yeah. right. You can attack that, force them to move their feet, and they're probably not going to be able to keep up with you, and then you get uh, probably an easier look uh, at a mid-range too. Now, the other thing we talked about as well is a comfort zone, right? And like yeah. if, the, if, the, if Vucevic is, is shading him to go right, Kawhi is probably is saying to himself uh, you know this is exactly where i want to go right, right um and i guess that's a, that's another way to sort of really go them into taking that shot right because yeah. when he goes right he's making 49 percent of those when he goes left he's making 39 percent. yeah right so um it kind of again you're playing into the magic's hands a little bit but again you make those shots it, it breaks yeah. their defense and also it doesn't even if you just go left right because you're right like they are forcing him to go right um and you know it, it is still hard when again like the big man is like overplaying you to go right and they're taller than you and so they don't have to close out as much um or they don't stay as close to close out on you right but i mean even if you just fake left and then you cross back over or something like that again if they're un- unbalanced or whatever then that's where you can create more, more more space and i think you know that's where one of these things where again like when we watch the tape obviously we're not as qualified as coaches or players but like you know, we kind of see the results and we sort of say, okay, you make some adjustments. As a player, that's the kind of way you would that, – and that's why I think the detail thing is so interesting when Kobe does it is because, like, he really thinks about it in terms of, like, okay, given this opportunity again, how would I do it and how would the defense react? And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, seriously, if you get a chance, I think there's actually a link on Reddit. Uh, you know, you can hear from <laughs> yeah. me, but there's a link on Reddit if you want to see that. But um, it, that was worthwhile. And also, you know, Zach Lowe also wrote so, about... So uh, before we move on, there, right. uh, one one thing I do want to bring up um, that I was thinking about after I wrote the piece, but I didn't include was, you know, I feel like part of why uh, the magic may shade a certain way as well is because of they're so aware of who to help off of. Yeah. And so they will usually tend to shade towards, you know, if, if Siakam's in the right corner, they will probably shade towards the right because they know they can afford to help a bit more off Siakam mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, off of Danny Green. Right. So that's another thing that I think they do a good job of in terms of, you know, uh, adjusting to the spacing on the floor and dictating where they want the offense to go. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, that goes to... You know, again, if Kawhi positions himself a little bit better, where he stretches the defense a little bit more, yeah, then that you know that's where more opportunities can can, uh, can come from. Um, Zach Lowe also chimed in mm-hmm. and wrote a couple of, about his adjustments and stuff like that. So um, look, there's look, there's there's plenty of adjustments that the Raptors can make in Game Two. Um, I still ultimately come back down to though, like what the way I've sort of looked over everything and sort of heard all the thoughts is like. The one thing the Raptors don't have to adjust too much is defensively, right? It seems like everybody's talking about the Raptors' offensive adjustments. Um, 
and nobody's really talking about the, the, the Raptors' defensive adjustments. I think most for the most part, the Raptors are pretty happy with how they defended. Obviously, DJ Augustin going on for 25 is not ideal, but did a great job on Vooch, did a great job on Aaron Gordon, did a great job on Terrence Ross. Um, and I mean, after the first half, they did, did a great job on DJ as yeah, well, right? That's true. Like, essentially, from the beginning of the second half right till the final minute, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he, he just had the one point. Yeah, yeah, so, he had split a pair of free throws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So again, even that, even that was uh, an, a, a good adjustment that Nurse made that you have to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, th- I thought overall the half court defense was great. Um, and again. It just comes down to those sloppy entry feeds, uh, you know, a couple of careless mistakes where you're just fueling uh, their transition game. You know, we, we saw a bunch of offensive fouls on the part of the Raptors as well. Maybe a couple of them weren't really offensive fouls. But that MCW charge yeah. was, was was a bit suspect. But, yeah. um, but you know, those are the things, that if you, again, that you're in control of fixing. And then you should be able to see um, even that much more of an improvement on the defensive end. Um. The one thing I want to wrap up the podcast with is also the Magic aren't just going to play the same game plan, right? Steve Clifford's already talked about how Magic got to play a, a, a better game in terms of just executing and things like that. Um, so what kind of adjustments do you see the Magic making in terms of how can they get Vucevic some more open shots and how can they get Fournier a couple of easier looks and stuff like that? Because if I were the Magic, I'm not satisfied with just how they played in game one. I think they know they got a little bit lucky with their three-point shooting. And that happens. And that, that could very well happen again, to be honest. But, um, you know, there's other portions of their game where I feel like, you know, it's not they didn't play a perfect game plan by any means. Right. Um, I, I think if you're looking at Vucevic, they will probably look for opportunities to set him up for the pop. Yeah. Um, because, it's surprising how little they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, that that might have been a little bit to do with him getting off to a slow start and then maybe not having the confidence. But I think if you if you can set up his pop game, then it makes it easier, uh, and you force Gasol to make some decisions where now maybe he's not uh, dropping into the paint as comfortably. Uh, so I think that that's the one thing they have to establish his jump shot for him to be effective against Gasol. Mm-hmm. I, I think when if he's going up against Gasol in the post, that's a matchup the Raptors will take every time. So uh, I, I think that's the main thing with Vucevic uh, in terms of other adjustments. Uh, frankly, I think they might actually look to be a bit more aggressive now, knowing that, you know, the Raptors made some sloppy mistakes mm-hmm. and seeing the difference that uh, right. the transition game made. I think they will look to be a bit more aggressive on the defensive end, uh, not be so uh, not be as fun- fundamental. Uh, in terms of you know w- w- what their game plan is, but I think uh, and then even even when they're on the offensive and we saw them attack the offensive glass more than they usually do, I think that's something that they might even try to do more of. Uh, so I think uh, usually you would say that in the half court set you you expect the Raptors uh, to do what they did in game one and maintain that efficiency mm-hmm. uh, but I think the Magic will be ready for that and so they will understand that they probably need even more on the fast break um, and maybe even you know if, if they can get up and down a bit more uh, and you know get out to a, or an early run uh, I think that, that will silence a lot of the Raptors fans and maybe bring up that nervousness that they can then take advantage of Hey, man, listen, it doesn't take a lot for the Raptors fans to get nervous. Right? <laughs> like, I, like I wrote about yesterday, the Raptors did a whole season, a whole, not just regular season, but a whole off season of healing, bringing in proven veterans, <laughs> proven champions 
and uh, all that was undone by DJ Augustine hitting 25 points in game one. Um, yeah, I mean, just to quickly wrap up, I, I think, look, the Magic, if I were Steve Clifford, I would look to stagger my minutes a little bit so that Vucevic, I know it's sort of, he has a pretty stable rotation and it works pretty well. He has two kind of very clear defined units. Yeah. And, you know, that that's good for him. But I think he should really consider um, just moving Vucevic's minutes a little bit so that Vuce is playing a little bit more against Ibaka. Yeah. Because it, I think Vucevic has shown that he can hurt Ibaka down low. Ibaka just not strong enough to stay with him. Yep. And, um, you know, it's not like their bench was scoring at a great, efficient clip. It's really their defense that kept their bench in it. So, um, you know, if you can get Vucevic a couple more minutes out there, maybe you run like Terrence Rouse and Vucevic out there and that's your offense, that might give you a lot better results than what, um, you know, what you saw in game one. But, um, you know, I, I, again, I think the Magic are a very well-coached team. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing that I don't think they need to adjust is just their mentality. Like, they've they've been staying locked in. They're focused. Yeah. And it really shows. It's really impressive. And, like, to me, when I watched this game, I'm like, when I watched game one, you know, uh, twice, basically, uh, it was you know, it's like, yeah, the Magic are very, very well coached. And they're very detail-oriented. And the Raptors, you know, a little sloppy. A little sloppy in the coaching front. I'll say that much. Yeah. Some rookie mistakes. Um, from a rookie coach. Yeah. So you expect him, him to learn from it. You expect him to grow from it. Uh, and, again, I think this Raptors team as a whole is still growing as they go, you know, just, you know, obviously every, all the talk has been about the postseason and flipping this playoff switch. But I do think that, you know, when your starting center has only played 19 games in the starting role for you, when Kawhi's missed the time that he's missed, when Kyle's missed the time that he's missed, there, there is still going to be some growing pains as you go through this postseason. Yeah. And you're trying to get through as as much of it as you can. Uh, and the, the one final thing I will say, if the Raptors can progress out of this series, uh, maybe progress out of the second round and potentially take on the Milwaukee Bucks, Hmm. you're seeing a lot of the things that the Milwaukee Bucks will do. Yeah, and if you think DJ Augustine locked Kyle Lowry to zero points, I think Eric Bledsoe (laughs) might hold him to negative 15. I'm serious. Eric Bledsoe is is really good this year. Um, All right, so actual last thing before we wrap up the show. Prediction for game two. The Raptors win. How much? Um, Convincingly. I, I would say by at least 12 points. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, I, I think we, we see Kawhi up in that, you know, 37 to 39 minute range. Mm. And I think really set the tone. And I, I, I think we do see Siakam's go, minutes go down a bit uh, because I think we'll see Kawhi sort of switch over into the four position a bit more. And I think that's, again, an area where, you know, we, we've talked about Kawhi playing the four, those one four pick and rolls. I think that's something that can be really effective when he's at the four. So, um, yeah, a convincing win. So he wraps by eight. All right. But it's one of those games where, like, wraps are up four, and then they get fouled twice on intentional free throws. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. It's another close game that, that gets extended a little bit out. So, yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's going to be easy to blow up this Magic team. Like, they're too cohesive. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. And even their bench is uh, pretty tight, whereas the Raptors' bench is uh, trash. Like, <laughs> seriously, it's it's crazy. Like, the Raptors' bench is much more talent. But the Magic Bench operates much better. And again, that also goes to coaching a little bit. So mm-hmm. hopefully we're right. You know, Raptors take game two. Um, you know, don't hold us to it if we're wrong. But uh, we will be back after the game with a post-game show from the uh, Scotiabank Arenas. While we're waiting for the players to come out and stuff, you and I will probably sneak in somewhere and uh, record another one of these 20-minute pods. But... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Please, Raptors, just please go win game two. All right. So (laughs) thanks for listening. We'll be back later tonight. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.